It's so funny because, I mean, it, it, when you think about it, so often, you know, the more creative you are, the the more sometimes people in the same circles may think you're trying to be competitive. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, I'm not interested in competing against anyone but myself. And even then, I'm not even interested in, even then, I'm not even interested in competing with myself. I'm interested in bettering myself. Hey, welcome to the Monique on the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Monique B. Thomas. And this episode 007 or 007 is the first episode of the year 2024. And it couldn't happen at a better time as my first guest, like James Bond, is a unique blend of determination, intelligence and skill. He has been a vocal consultant for tours by Celine Dion, Solange Knowles and Britney Spears, to name a few. As a pedagogue, he's trained singers and teachers all over the world, many of which train top-selling artists. He's a personal friend and a mentor and is highly responsible for the way I teach and the way I sing and probably the way I eat. Everybody, please welcome to the show, Greg Enriquez. Hey, Greg, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I, I almost didn't show up because there was no food involved. <laughs> you know I'll send you something because you know how we share a love for food <laughs> as, as well as we do share a love for all things vocal. Maybe not all things, but a lot of things oh, yeah. vocal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Most most things, things vocal. Yeah. Well, but the truth is, I think that you know this is interesting because uh, Natalie Desay said something. I read it somewhere that she said something like she doesn't trust people who don't like food, and I can get down with mm-hmm. that. I can get down with that because loving food is something very, it's very carnal. It's very animalistic. It's it's very roots. Well, I mean. I- yeah, and, and I know for me, I'm a very um, sensual person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's something visual, it catches me. If it's something, you know, aural, mm-hmm. it catches me. Um, I'm Epicurean, so something in terms of the, you know, food taste. Yeah, I'm all about it. So, yeah, I, uh, anything like that would certainly have my attention. Oh, so, <laughs> so sensual meaning the senses, not meaning sensual sexual, but sensual. Oh, yeah. Okay, that, okay, I had to, I, when you. Yeah, oh. <laughs> okay, all right, but. But they're they're tired. You didn't have to. You, you don't. You don't have to bleep that. No, 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 no. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. Absolutely not. But uh, yeah, that that love for food definitely goes hand in hand with the love for voices. Um, I noticed something on. Well, I didn't just notice it because obviously I've known you for so long and we've been working together. I've had the pleasure of working with you since two thousand nine, and I noticed something on your website is that you have written vocal consultant. And I wanted to talk about that because yeah. I know that everything you do is deliberate. You do nothing, you know, that's haphazard. Everything is very, very chosen and deliberate. And so I want to know why you don't have voice teacher or vocal coach on your website. Well, strangely, you caught me in transition because um, I am actually going to change it to singing consultant okay. um, and singing consultation. Um, mostly because of the fact that, you know, as we, um, evolve, whether it's, you know, an evolution of our skills or our tastes or, you know, um, just what we can, um, do within the marketplace or what we feel comfortable doing. Um, I I find that, um, a consultation is really, um, the 
broadest way of describing what I do. And, and then, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm going to narrow it down to singing because, um, as I keep analyzing everything, everything that I'm interested in doing is not just, um, uh, an isolation of vocalism. Right. It, it, everything that I'm interested in has to do with singing. Oh, so, so now you know I'm going to have to have you go further with that and, and make the big distinction between vocalism and singing. Well, singing is is directly related to the art form or an art form. It's not just um, the sheer mechanics of doing something, the, the sheer, um, uh, lack of a better way of saying it, just an unusable vocalism, even though some people would say, well, everything is usable. Um, for what interests me, yeah. I'm interested in uh, things that have to do with singing, with the art of singing. Right, that makes sense. And and I love how you said what interests me because then it comes down to the taste that we have. Yeah, yeah, we're back to food. Yeah, well, always, you know. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had a conversation that didn't involve food. I would have to say that I am also a sensual person in the same way. There's that, you know. If I smell something, if I really like it, I'm like, wow. And if I really don't like it, I'm like really turned away from it, you know? <laughs> oh, so, yeah, totally. And, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a, it's a, I think it's a really good thing because it, it I, I know that, you know, majority of my friends, mm-hmm. um, I trust them with music. Mm-hmm. I trust them with food. I trust them with movies, you know, so there's, I, I don't have any really close friends that, um, you know, if they're having a dinner party or something, I'm going to be like, oh God, I better order takeout. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why is that? You know? Is that, is it that you're, you need to share a love for senses or an understanding of senses with the people that are closest to you? I, you know what, I've never actually thought about it in, in terms of, why it is that, but I think it may be sort of pruning, (laughs) you know, it may be self-selection. It may be just, you know, that as things go on, you know, because we've known each other, you know, in this industry, knowing somebody um, and remaining friends. Yeah. And continue to like them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It can be, can be really challenging, you know, because there's so many external forces um, that, you know, people that are not necessarily in, in this industry, they may not realize, you know, um, very much the teaching of singing is much like religion. You know, there are lines that can Ooh. be drawn. <laughs> yeah. And there's been all out wars <laughs> over what people believe. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm definitely glad I made the cut. Yeah. I'm glad I made the cut. Uh, <laughs> from your I was going to say, I, I don't know. I, I was going to say, I don't know if it was that or I did. I don't know if I made the cut with you also. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it goes both ways, you know, it, just like any relationship. Well, you know, we, we often talk about, uh, what's normal. And, and I refer to this simply because as I was preparing for this interview, I was looking uh, into our, our emails, our first emails back in 2009. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to actually go back and read something from it. And um, 
you basically say, um, I had tried to send you a, a text message after our first lesson, group of lessons, because it was during a training session. Uh, I think it was like probably five to seven days. And I, it didn't work, so I resent it as an email. And then here's your response. Monique, thanks for resending. I'm so glad to have met you. What a wonderful voice, person, teacher, you. Yes, normal is an elusive term, isn't it? Lol. <laughs> by the way, blah, 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 blah. And then you use normal again. But I love the the fact that, you you know, you talk about l- uh, normal being elusive. But what I've found with you and the other people that make the cut is that amongst us, there is a sort of normalcy that allows me to be me. And, and, and because that allows mm-hmm. to be me, it allows to me, it allows to me mess i can't talk it allows me to be the best version of myself yeah yeah you know i i I think that's you know i think that's really i I don't know if it's by design because you know there's so many things that we that that just happen to us and then you know as we go along we we accept more or less of things (laughs) you know sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly but yeah i think i think in that regard I think it's so important for everybody around you, you know, whether it's your professional life or your personal life, um, and I'll get into that a little bit later, whether or not in those two arenas, um, I think it's really important to allow people to be who they are. Now, like I said, I was going to get back to that. So now I'll get back to it real quick. Um, okay. For me, I'm now at the point where I really only want to work with people that I like. And, um, you know, now that sounds that that can be taken many different ways, but the, but the reality is, um, you know, most people I'm working with or working for their friends. And I, I really like that. Really, really like that. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because in, in some other arenas, they say, you know, don't mix business and pleasure or, you know, don't work with your friends. And, um, but I, I can completely agree with you because we're dealing with an art form. We're dealing with, you know, lots of feelings and emotions and our senses. Um, it's hard to create art with somebody that you don't like. <laughs> you know, if you, you yeah, just totally. sometimes the, the sight of somebody, you just kind of want to, now don't condone, condone violence, but sometimes you want to punch somebody in the eye. <laughs> don't violence, but sometimes oh, you yeah. want to strongly. How do you, you know, how do you work with them? But I'm sure that in your career, you've had to work with people that you didn't particularly care for. How did you deal with that? Because you're so professional. <laughs> but you know what, though? I think, you know, first of all, we've all had to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, for me, it's it's just really, um, really positioning myself in a way that everybody that I'm working with um, either it works or it doesn't work. And then if it doesn't work, it, the, you know, there's no hard feelings, you know, it's like, no, 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 you just go back to your business. I'll go about mine. But you know, that's, that's just how it goes. And, and I think, I think that makes it for me personally, that makes it a lot easier, makes it yeah. much, much easier because then um all I have to do is just focus in on 
what it is that I'm doing, which typically, as you know, is I've, I've put myself into just specializing into um, singing technique. And mm-hmm. so that just makes it very easy for me. You know, right, I don't right. have to, I don't ever have to get in discussions with anybody about like, well, what do you do exactly? You know, right, it becomes really obvious. Well, but, but, but to your point, to your point, I think it starts with, it's really clear to me first. Yes. And then I carry that attitude moving forward. And so there, there isn't any sort of, um, uh, question about where, um, what I'm trying to do or where I'm trying to go with this. Right. So how long have you been that way? Or, you know, you've had a, a very long career. Um, how long have you had that kind of clarity about, you know, who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with? I think from the very beginning. And mm. then, you know, as, as circumstances have played out in life, um, it's made it easier to um, exercise mm-hmm. or remain in that realm as, you know, as life has unfolded and, and um, circles that you run in um, work or don't work, mm. you know? Again, I think, it's, I think it's planting the seed. I think it's planting the seed and then um, the, uh, the plan and the design comes from, from uh, your mental direction. I think, though, that you're some kind of a rare bird in the sense that I, I feel like a lot of people learn that lesson a lot later in life. I know me personally, it's probably just been in the last few years. You know, I'm starting to how I know that I'm not going to be able to work with somebody is I listen to literally my gut. When somebody comes to me with a proposition, I immediately feel in my gut. Uh, my, like I start to get a knot if it's not going to work, mm. you know, and, and then I can, and what do you, yeah. If you were to put a percentage on that, oh. how often do you get an upset stomach over it? <laughs> Um, not, a, I wouldn't say an upset stomach. It's just, there's like a closing in my stomach. This like, it's just, it's an, I've understood that that's a no, that my body's mm-hmm. telling me no. I don't get sick about it, but my, my mm-hmm. body's like, starts to tighten, especially my stomach. I guess it's a food thing. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> my stomach starts to tighten and it's like, nah, this is for whatever reason, this is not for me. And then I know if I sit down and go through the different things, it'll be something like, I don't like the financial conditions. I don't like the way this person came at me. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. don't like the music or I don't like the people involved or whatever, but it's going to be a no. For you, but for you personally, if you were to put a percentage on that kind of reaction, how often do you get a reaction or do you, can you even measure it? I think I always get a reaction. I think the difference is I pay attention to it now. I think there's always, so, a reaction. but I mean, you know, I mean, a negative reaction. Let, let me let me say it that way. I, I How often say, do you get a negative reaction? I would say probably seventy five percent of the time, because the truth is, I'm not supposed to accept everything that comes my way. There's only going to mm-hmm. be a handful of things that fit me, Monique Thomas. Not only there's you know, Monique Thomas vocally. There's what I can do vocally, mm-hmm. artistically. There's also Monique Thomas, the human being, like how how much of a game player am I going to be at this? How much of me am I going to be able to bring into this project? 
are, are there parts of me that I'm going to have mm-hmm. to tuck away? And if I have to tuck too much of myself away, I don't want to be involved in that project because I don't feel like I can breathe literally. Mm-hmm. And I'm that sensitive. So mm-hmm. I think probably when I really think about it, it might even be 85% to be honest with you. I think it's, as I get older, it's fewer and fewer projects, but that, that have a okay, bigger so when you, sense to me. On those projects, yeah, the projects that you say no to, mm-hmm. the projects that you, you, you turn away and say no to, mm-hmm. how many of them occur or happen again somewhere later in your life? Do you mean those same projects come back to me? Or I'm not yeah. sure I understand the yeah. question. Yeah, how many of them any of them. to you? I don't, I don't think any of them. None of them. Yeah, and then your life just goes on. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of your answer. Your answer is my answer. Yeah. Y- you know, because there's just, you know, there's no reason to fight over something. <laughs> but this is this is such a big thing for artists because there's such this scarcity mindset of, you know, if I don't get that audition, I don't get that part, I don't you know, whatever it is, you know, there's a multitude of things that, mm. you know, we're trying to get. It could be a, a promotion or it could, you know, whatever. We feel like it's the end of the world at that time, often. Well, and, and it's often, you know, when an artist is, you know, having to pay their bills, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's, you know, that, that, you know, if we were, if we were to take away, um, you know, the financial burden that most artists have to face. That would be great. Yes, take them away, please. Yeah, then, <laughs> then, you know, then, then everything else is just sort of easy breezy, you know, and I think, and I think that's, you know, what happens with age is that, you know, is, um, I can't speak for you because you don't look any older since I ever met you. Um, <laughs> but I certainly do. And I know for me, as I've gotten older, um, I don't have to worry about the other stuff as much mm-hmm. because there's a financial security. Yeah. Um, from years and years of just, you know, and, and I think, I think that's sort of important, but I, but I think the key to that financial stability also is, um, this is, this is almost a circular answer because the key to it is also knowing yourself and saying, you know, what hell am I willing to put myself through to get, yeah. you know, Sort of like Mario Brothers, you know, <laughs> what hell am I going to go through for this level to get to the next level, you know? Right. Yeah. Assuming that we're all going to go through some type of hell, it's better to be able to choose it at least, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and, and it may be hell is too strong of a word, maybe gauntlet. <laughs> you know, we've got, we got some sort of gauntlet we've got to, you know, at least we so, can make it sound more like a game rather than. You know, rather make it more like a game rather than just sounding like, you know, life or death. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's all in good fun. But definitely um, with with age, that process has gotten easier and less painful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different setbacks that I had. You know, I had that interview a month ago that was really important to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and mm-hmm. they didn't accept me because my price was too high. And, you know, my immediate reaction is like, oh, man, because, you know, I was thinking this was going to be something very interesting. And you know what? I reasoned it by just saying, my price is too high. My price is too high. That means they weren't wanting me. They were wanting a cheaper version of somebody they think does what I do or something 
in that ballpark, right. but they, it wasn't exactly right. Monique B. Thomas. And I realized, you know what? I don't want to work with people that don't value Monique B. Thomas with the unique skill set that I bring to the table. And that may sound very boisterous, but the truth is we're all very unique with what we bring to the table. If I'm just one of many and, you know, you're not actually wanting me, I actually don't want you either. You know, that's that's the conclusion that I've come to at this point. And, you know, it also can be, you know, I know that we're not trying to rationalize all of our, you know, weird thoughts. But, you know, it also could be that it's not so much that they um, don't want to pay the price. It it could also be that they can't pay the price. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a, an immediate no when it potentially could be a yes later. Yeah. But what I've learned is that, you know, that's, I, I, I don't, don't get into that part. You have of no it. control you know over I mean? either. I don't have any control yeah. of it. You don't have so control I just, over for, either. Yeah. Yeah. So it is kind of like, all right, no. All right, next. Let's move on to the next thing. And lo and behold, there's always just new opportunities. As long as you're putting yourself out there, I, I just, I do believe in the law of averages. If you're putting yourself out there and you're putting out good quality work, which is what I always try to do, I think it's inevitable that you're going to get um, different opportunities that come your way. So I, I've really learned to stop worrying. I would agree with you completely. And I think, I think that, you know, depending on the listener to this particular conversation, um, again, it just comes back, know yourself and, you know, whatever circumstance you're going to find yourself in, know what that is. You know, Um, it's so funny because, I mean, when you think about it, so often, you know, the more creative you are, Mm -hmm. the, the more sometimes people in the same circles may think you're trying to be competitive. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not interested in competing against anyone but myself. And even then I'm not even interested in, even then I'm not even interested in competing with myself. I'm interested in bettering myself. Yeah. And so it's, you know, competition is such a, competition can be such a misused word Mm -hmm. and to the point where it's not just misused, but it's abused Mm. And I, you know, I think that's where, um, we as teaching artists, um, have to be, you know, teachers of artists as well as artists that teach. I think that's where we have to be careful because, um, the moment you monetize anything, Mm -hmm. it, it seems to allow people to take on that phrase. Um, it's nothing personal. It's just business, (laughs) you know, and, that that's such an interesting thing because um really everything that i do is personal <laughs> so, yeah how do so, you yeah. i mean it's not like all of a sudden i'm going to be like okay now we're doing business so i get to be i can be quote unquote uh cutthroat or right. i can be an a hole to you right. no 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 that never crossed my mind <laughs> no 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 i want to change subjects for a second here i want to talk mm-hmm. uh, you have extensively uh, trained students of singing all over the world. So singers and also trained voice teachers all over the world. So you're getting to see people from sort of different angles, right? I want to know what makes a good student. 
And, and I'll, I'm going to add to that. I mean, it sounds like a weird question. What also makes a good artist? So what are your thoughts on that? I would say trust. Trust for both. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say trust, I am meaning the, the words associated with trust, like truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think trust in, you know, as an artist, you have to trust yourself. But you also have to make sure that you are staying to your truth, mm-hmm. um, even if it is not in vogue or not understood or mm-hmm. completely you're alone in this one and you're the minority. And, and I think it's the same thing with teaching. I think, you know, you know, what makes a great student, what makes a great artist is trust, truth. And I think it's the same thing with the teacher. I don't, I really don't see many, um, delineations between um student teacher artist I, I i really just see them as is one entity and so i would say trust is the word i really like that because i was you know coming to the thought that for example you know artists um make strong decisions and tend to have a mm. very clear vision about what they want And sometimes these people, these clear vision people come into our studios and they have this idea about what they want their voice to do, but what their voice needs to do mechanically might be different. How do you deal with that? Well, I mean, I I first try and satisfy um, the mechanical and, and just sort of let them know, you know, if we take care of this initially, there may be parts of the picture that you didn't see in your vision Mm. and you might be able to start seeing because we've, you know, broadened the scope of the lens, you know? Um, but to me, it, it is, you know, in service of the art, you know, now this is tricky. This is Mm. really tricky because it's not just in service of the artist, but in service of the art, you know, because we don't want the artist to just die after they've created something or they're, they're trying to, uh, perform something. We don't want them to just, you know, die in the process. So we have to think about the art and say, look, how do you carry on? You know, and so there is that balance of, you know, having, uh, healthy, reusable skills, but then also having immediate usable skills for what the artist is, you know, feeling at that moment. Now, I know that, that, you know, we run the risk that this kind of conversation can be just so philosophic that it, it just runs in circles and doesn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's why it always does come back down to skills. You know, what mm-hmm. skills do you feel like you're, you're needing and what skills, you know, are you, what ones maybe we cannot articulate clearly are the ones that you're needing right now. Okay. So do you ever get any pushback from these artists? That, All the time. Yeah. I get fired every day. <laughs> I get fired every day. And in, in a lot of ways that doesn't bother me, not because I'm just, you know, being cavalier about it, but it's just, you know, the, the type of attitude that one has taking a gig has got to be the same attitude they have while they're in it. If I'm willing to say you're not for me at, 
you know, 7 a.m., I've got to be willing to say you're not willing, you know, you're not for me at 1 p.m. on the same day. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if I'm willing to do the work with you and, and vice versa, I've got to be willing to say, okay, well, our paths have crossed. And that's fine. So when you say you get fired every day, you, know, you just, you mean like a student will come in and they'll have the lesson and they won't come oh, back? Oh, sure. Or I'll be on a project and, and be fired right in the middle of a project. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> firing is just as diverse as hiring. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, so that's true. we've all had some interesting gigs. Well, we've all been fired from interesting gigs. <laughs> right, right. So you said something about sustainable singing and um, I want to get into... We gonna piss a couple people off territory. Do you mind? No, because I because I know that I know that if anything gets too awry, we we can always edit. <laughs> we can always edit out, right? But I I pride myself and bleep. We can bleep. Yeah, there's gonna gonna be a lot of bleeps. Uh, I pride myself on on not doing too much editing, even when I you know fumble over the words because I I I like authenticity as much as possible. You know, um. So the 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 subject. Du jour, the thing that I think will piss some people off is I want to talk about belting. This is a term mm-hmm. we're hearing, you know, you know how the internet is. There's a buzz term, buzzword, mm-hmm. and everybody picks it up for their marketing because it's what's trending and mm-hmm. it gets used and abused and twisted into let's just talk about oh, it. Oh, sure. I mean, I think um I think the problem that we run into with you know, in general with any terminology mm. is where does it fit into the big picture of the immediacy of the art? You know, when people say they want to belt vocally, I, depending on what they're talking about, you know, it's like, okay, I understand belt in some ways, in some ways can be just mm-hmm. a loud, intense high note. But if you can't do anything with it, if if you can't act within it, if you can't mm-hmm. be musical within it, meaning that any any note that you do loud and intense, if you do not have the ability to uh, change the dynamic within what you're doing, you know, then that to me that may be a limited approach. But also, you know, going back to that thing that I just mentioned about acting, it's very interesting. I've never heard anybody say, I want to learn how to belt act. You've never, <laughs> never heard. I've heard people say, well, I want to learn how to belt this when I'm singing, but then what's the acting like when you get into that belt? You know, what is there, is there going to be a belt acting technique? You know, <laughs> do we see dancers belt dance, you know? So I, I, I think that's where we have to be careful, I think, in terms of the art form, is that, you know, one thing takes such a precedence over the integration of everything else that it all of a sudden just stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah. At least, I, at whenever, least to my senses. Whenever a student comes in, um, and of course it's been more frequent in the last few years, and they say, can you teach me to belt? Uh I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let me think about how I'm going to deal with this. I mean, I know how I'm going to deal with it mechanically, but explaining it, because to me, when I hear the word belt, I get the impression that the person who's asking for it is simply just asking for loud and high. Now, loud and high are right, right. only parts of the equation for me as a singer. 
it's you we do need to sing mm-hmm. loud and high mm-hmm. at times you know for for reasons but that's not all we need to do but also i have to take into consideration intonation and usually i find what from what i've heard and you know correct me if i'm wrong most of the times i hear what people are going to consider to be a true belt it's usually very yelly devoid of the qualities that i want to hear in a voice um and it's often slightly under pitch and so I'm thinking, well, if that's what yeah. people are looking for, that that seems a little. Well, it's it very seems hard. sloppy. Well, now, yeah, yeah, you know, this is. Uh, I understand why you prefaced this conversation by saying, you know, we get into the territory of possibly pissing off people, but mm-hmm. I would, I would say, you know, um, think of the poor background singers. How do you harmonize on somebody's belting? You know, because all of a sudden, you know, there's a, there's a lack of, um, a harmonic stack on most of the time that people are belting that to try and harmonize just purely on the pitch, uh, just simply isn't enough, you know? So, but I, but I, but I think that's why it's like, I think the conversation is best when we talk about it as it, as it, applies to an art form mm-hmm. this you know the, the last uh 10 20 years and possibly the continuing 10 20 years you know it, it could be the time where there are um musicals songs singers that all they're known for is belting you know and um we don't know what the next thing is going to be. That's why I think it's so important having a vocal technique and a musical experience in your ability as a singer, having a musical experience that can keep you being in the art form, but not being dated within the art form where all of a sudden you hear somebody sing and you go, well, that, you know, that sounds like something from the thirties and forties or you, you know, you or acting like that, you know, like, yeah. like those old time movies where it's like, now listen here, mister, I'm going to take you out back and I'm going to shoot you, you know, <laughs> where all of a sudden you go, that's, that's, that's an identifiable period. Right. Yeah. And, and I think people a hundred years from now are going to maybe look at this time frame and say, you know, that was the belt period. <laughs> and the you know, what I mean, the belt and riffs and runs period <laughs> yeah 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 totally totally and and i think I, I think that's why it's so important for people to um for singers and artists mm-hmm. to be able to lead the curve not just follow the curve but lead it set the curve right. and you know the more you're able to do with your voice um, from a technical aspect, mm-hmm. and the more you can do it with musically and, and certainly performatively, um, I, I, I think you are always going to set the agenda that other people will um, have to reckon with. Now, when I say reckon with it, it doesn't mean that necessarily that you're the top of whatever you're doing financially or you know in terms of influence, but people will recognize there's something there. Right, right. So, but... Because we do sometimes have to satisfy, well, we actually always have to satisfy um, what our students are looking for. How do you mechanic, how do you handle mechanically? Well, I know, I just want you to talk about it because, you know, I study with you regularly still. And um, I know that you help me to satisfy 
the sounds that I need to make when I'm singing gospel and I have to sing up there. Uh, but I would love for you to explain that to our, our audience. I, I always try and make it where you can feel the choice mm-hmm. and that you can knowingly um, do what you're going to do with your voice for the gig. And what that does, I think it allows you to say, okay, am I, am I feeling like I'm going to get into some trouble if I keep repeating this, you know, eight shows a week mm-hmm. or, you know, in your case, you were doing, you know, a heavy tour, mm-hmm. um, really intensified tour, um, and still being a mom, still being a teacher um, too, a singing artist, a teaching yeah. artist. Yeah. I mean, you still had all those and a, a content creator, you know, so that being said, I think, again, I think the most important thing is making choices available for, for the artist and, and choices that they can feel that um, they can tell when to make those choices or not. All right. What I've appreciated in the time we've worked together uh, is because you're so clear, you're, you're clear in, you know, the choices you make in the scales that you give me, the, the exercises, the way you sequence things. Um, you have built in this possibility to do so many things with my voice that the capacity of my voice matches my, uh, my imagination, which is. Yeah. Your imagination. Exactly. That is, you know, the most freedom that any artist can ask for because there's nothing more frustrating than hearing something in your mind's ear and not being able to get to it. Now, obviously we all have to deal with instrumental limitations, but I I tend to think that most of the times people are dealing with technical limitations and not necessarily the, the, the uh, limitations of their instrument. And so what I found is that, you know, you've helped me to build this voice that has, access to all parts of my range and we just continue to even things out so that I can if somebody asks me to belt in studio and people do ask me to do that I transfer that Mm -hmm. into okay I've got to do a strong mix because I'm not going to belt I'm not or what people traditionally think about I'm not yelling I'm not doing that because I, I work too much I have this instrument that is constantly being used for professional reasons I cannot do that I won't do that I don't even want it doesn't feel good well and also well, you know, the other thing is, is that you're you're one of the few artists that you're working in a field that, um, you know, you're able to sing jazz, you're able to sing opera, you're able to sing gospel. And, and so you have to have all of those available to you. And mm-hmm. when you commit to one muscularity over another, it sometimes comes at a price at the other. And mm-hmm. so I think that's... Again, it's, you know, it's that understanding of saying what is necessary for me to be able to, you know, stay in this game as long as possible. Yeah. You know what? I hadn't thought of it that way, but I am really kind of greedy in the sense that even though I don't perform opera, um, every once in a while I might sing an Ave Maria for a wedding or something like that, but I don't perform it. I enjoy keeping my chops there. Um, just for my own personal satisfaction. Plus every year I get maybe two to three operatic students that come into the studio. And as a colorateur, I like to be able to Mm -hmm. demonstrate properly for them. Um, and so, yes, having, having this technique that allows me to go effortlessly, you know, the only thing I have to keep in check is, you know, stylistically, is this, is this right for the genre? 
I never have to worry about what my technique needs to do. I, I just know it's there. Um, and so studying this way has really made a huge difference for me. Yeah, and, and you know, the thing is you bring up, you know, the the different demands within the genre. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of, you know, recognizing that you don't have to change your technique to go from genre to genre. Mm-hmm. You just change your musical approach, your mental approach about what you're doing. And in that sense, you can, you can really stay fresh and everything. The only time that you're going to run into issues is when um, the sound du jour mm-hmm. is a sound that pulls you too far away from, you know, your next gig. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that, you know, and again, I know, I know that we run the risk of sounding, um, uh, like this is a private joke or, <laughs> or a private conversation that's being captured for, for podcasts. But, you know, but that is what it's about is that, you know, when you, when you have a, a wild imagination, let's just say mm-hmm. a wild musical singing imagination, mm-hmm. you know, you do want to be able to, um, experience what you're hearing and what you're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. But I love what you said about it's about that next gig. And I think that when people start out, their gigs are so far and few between that doesn't really make sense to them. So it's like I'm only singing once a month. So if I scream my head off, I've got a whole month to recover. But that's not the that's not the thing. Like when you when you're singing, you're a professional. You're going to be gigging every week. To some capacity, and some more than others. I mean, if people are doing musical theater, they're doing seven, eight shows a week. Um, some places, if you're singing backup, you could be singing five days a week. I mean, it can vary, but you know, every week you're singing. It just doesn't feel good to have your voice out of whack, even if it's only like two percent. You can feel it. You know, you get to a point where it's just like I do, I want my voice to feel perfect all the time. At least to, you know, as much as possible. Yeah, and I think that's in a very, I think that is a very important um, concept and idea that, um, you know, I, I do believe that most people chase that concept and idea, you know, but I, I think we're also in a weird position mm-hmm. where, um, you know, a lot of gigs um, within the last you know, I would say almost 10 years have been really weird for most artists. Mm-hmm. Either they're really huge venues, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where sometimes the, the vocals are canned, mm. you know, and they're just on stage doing the choreography and lip syncing every once in a while. Not knocking that artist. I right. mean, that is, you know, that is a valid way to get through the damn tour. Right. Completely understand, you know. Um, but then, you know, also we had really the pandemic for two years Mm -hmm. straight where there are a lot of up and coming artists that have never seen an artist live. And so they're, you know, the only thing that they're really used to is hearing the recorded version of something, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there's always going to be the side effects, you know, from that. And so I think we're in, I think we're entering an interesting phase where, uh, because of circumstance with pandemic and because of technology, I think there's going to be some great misunderstanding for up and coming artists about, you know, what it is to actually sing a live gig 
on a tour. Yeah. You know, that's a very interesting discussion, uh, I feel, where a lot of students come in and they think they want one thing, but they don't realize that what they're doing is very far from a professional sound. Very, very far. You know, singing on stage, when you're singing through a monitor and you've got bass, drums, guitar, sometimes two guitars, synth player, horns, all that going on on stage, and you're up there whispering on pitch, this is not going to cut it. I don't care how pretty it is. You know, understanding what a true professional sound is and what kind of practice and and, and training is required to, to develop that and sustain it. Oof. Yeah. And also, you know, again, the technology in the studio, mm-hmm. what they may be hearing can only be pulled off in a studio. Right. You know, and so then all of a sudden they, they try and take it to stage and it's like, wait a second, that's not going to actually work on stage. Even if you have the best, you know, monitors, mm-hmm. you know, if your microphone picks up bleeding sounds from other instruments on stage, yep. you know, or even audience noise, yep. I mean, you know, the, there's, it, it's hard to contend with. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, I think we're in a really interesting phase for singers. Mm-hmm. I think we're coming into a place where, you know, um, uh, my big recommendation for singers right now is, you know, see as many things live as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, because you got to make up for lost time because of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, so you've got to get your senses, you know, um, acclimated again to what live performances actually sound like. Yeah. Oh my, that's definitely uh, going to be a revelation for people. Because the other thing is, we're also in an age where uh, people are getting their start from a thirty-second soundbite on TikTok. So. You know, they're known oh, for yeah. being and able so to show- sing. They do everything they could possibly do in 30 seconds so that people can like them. And, you know, that oh, absolutely. could be absolutely outstanding. But that does not guarantee that somebody's going to be able to sing a whole gig or even five minutes. You know, getting used to, you know, singing with a whole band. Or even if they could, mm-hmm. if they're so used to over-decorating a song in 30 seconds... Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you say, okay, now let's do a full gig. They may make it through, but the audience might not. <laughs> There's going to be casualties. It just, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, it just could be that, oh, my God, that's just overkill for every song. You know, this is not, you know, this is not an extended TikTok uh, video. Right. You know, right. and so, uh, and I think there is going to be, I think that's the challenge is, is not only for the audience, um, but really for the artist is that, you know, when, when we start getting into this, you know, getting back into live gigs and, and it's kind of hard, you know, cause the, a lot of the venues that survived after the pandemic are of a certain size. Right. And so you don't see really, really small v- venues anymore. Uh, you know, not a whole lot. So, you know, you're looking at medium to excessively large venues. Yeah. And so that means you either, you're either you two, or Beyonce, right. or you're no one. And the catch twenty two <laughs> you know, is the catch twenty two is you know you have to have some sort of career before building up to that. But there are fewer gigs, yeah. so it's it's harder to get your chops, you know, actual performing chops together, because like you said, it's either you know 
huge venues or hardly anything. Yeah, you're playing for you're playing in your garage yeah. or you're playing at Wembley. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, very few things in between. There's very few things in between. So how do you prepare for that? I mean, it's it that is kind of hard. I guess uh, it's we're gonna time yeah, will that's tell. Be the challenge. What kind of artists we're gonna come out with in the next ten to twenty years for that? I think we're gonna see some. Uh, uh, referencing of the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, where they had huge stadiums, mm-hmm. but then they also had really, really small clubs. And there was a lot of artists that were being very avant-garde and visual. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see a bit of that again. Yeah. Um, because of necessity. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Cause there, there just isn't much out there and it's hard, obviously with, you know, funding always gets cut with, with the arts first, <laughs> um, and I've had the, a, a good friend of mine, Martin Schack, who's an incredible jazz pianist in Denmark. He has his own club and it's tiny. I think, I don't know if, if 50 people are in there. I don't know if the cops might get called. It's just tiny, but that's the coolest club to play. <laughs> and every time I go there, usually we, we, you know, I tour there and, um, I sing there and it's just such a great place to, just to really be you. You can see everybody's faces. Um, you can really connect with them. And I just feel bad for anybody that doesn't have those kinds of performing opportunities. But, you know, there's f- so few clubs like that. They're just so few. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I want to. Yeah. And that's. The, the, we'll, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Hey, it's your podcast. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, I think we have a little bit of a lag. So it's, it makes it a little bit e- uh, difficult. Um, I said I was going to just wrap things up. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about one last thing because um, I'm always thinking about mm. the development of an artist because I'm I'm always concerned about how to help my clients, but also myself because I'm I'm both you know at, at the t- at one time I'm the singer you know the, the artist and at another time I'm the student mm-hmm. so I'm always concerned with that process and I've come to the realization that satisfaction is a moving target. You know, where, totally. where we're, we're like, you know, I'll be so happy with myself when I can do this thing. And by the time you achieve it, you get mm-hmm. there, you've already set your sights on something else, which kind of, it's kind of sad because then I think we miss the fact that sometimes we need to celebrate those small wins. You know, we need to pat ourselves on the back and say, Hey, you actually did the work to get to that place. Now you're at that place. You've got your sight somewhere else, but a little celebration can go a long way. In helping you on this long journey, what do you think about that? Oh, I think that's I think that's a marvelous thought, and I think that's I think that's totally accurate. I, I think it goes hand in hand with um, the cultural influence. You know, in the United States, um, a negative a negative thing for people that are working out um, is the plateau effect. Mm-hmm. You, you hear a lot of trainers. You know, they always say you know the plateau effect. You know, if you plateau. Um, you've got to change your game. You got to, you know, plateauing is a bad thing. Mm. And the reality is, no, plateauing is a great thing because when you plateau, that's the only time you get to master. Mm. And if you're moving after, if you're moving after accomplishing this skill or something, and you're moving too quickly, yes, you're missing out on the, you know, the attaboys or attagirls, <laughs> you know, and the self congratulation. You're missing that. That's true. But you're also missing the opportunity to master that skill that you work so hard to get. But but it's so prevalent 
in a lot of cultures, especially, you know, in the um, fitness culture that, you know, the plateau effect is such a bad thing. And it's like, no, take advantage of mastery. Take advantage of you being in a place where you can master something. So you're saying, you know, we do the work to get to this place and let's sit and hang here for a second. Let's let's stay here for yeah. a second and just enjoy it and take it in and and really have it, you know, almost in our skin before we move on to something else. Yeah, totally. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, because if you Yeah, because if you move on too quickly, there may be aspects of that skill that you just gained mm-hmm. that you know but you don't understand, mm-hmm. you know? I know I know your two daughters. Mhm. You understand them. That, <laughs> They're teenagers. Very, very different. <laughs> no, nobody understand my kids. They're te- <laughs> Theoretically, I understand them. But to be honest with you, on a daily basis, I'm like, okay, who are we dealing with today? Especially my oldest, because she's older. She's 15. I'm like, okay, let me see who we're dealing with today. <laughs> well, okay, I, I, I should have prefaced it by teenagers excluded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, that's the, but that's the nature of this is that, you know, you can know something, but that doesn't mean you understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you know that I could talk to you all day and we talk regularly and I And we have. <laughs> yes. And I, I do have the intention of having you back on this show because there's so many things we can and I'm sure we'll talk about. But I would like to know, are there any final thoughts that you have for aspiring artists out there for today? Yeah, you can't be aspired if you're not inspired. Ooh. So Get out there, find artists, you know, um, the, I have to call on our relationship, Mo, Mm -hmm. because there are times that you and I are both exchanging singers. Mm -hmm. You know, have you heard this person? No, let me listen. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Now I'm about all of Lucky Day's, you know, stuff. (laughs) Shout out to Lucky Day. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you have to, if you're going to be aspiring for something, you really have to find the inspiration from somewhere. And that usually will keep you moving. Well, you keep me moving. You keep me inspired because <laughs> just when I think I know something about my voice, you you show me something new. Not even just my voice, but the voice in general. You always show me something new. And and I'm, I'm very... Um, I'll say it's religious, but I'm very blessed for this relationship because I'm I'm just better for it. I hope you get out, as much out of it as I get out of it. But on my end, it's like wow. I just um, and and people might take that as oh she's kissing it, whatever. I don't care. But I have to say that having um, that's as, a lot of ass to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna have to believe it. But having during this artistic journey where there's there can be so much self doubt, there can be you know competing with the buzzwords, competing with whatever's going on around out there, and you're just not sure if you measure up. It is important to find somebody who has a voice of reason um, that is constant. You know, you're, you're not contradicting yourself in the way you work with me and the things you say. You have principles and you stand by them. And so that helps me. I mean, I've I've vastly changed over the years how I approach singers, especially the difficult ones that I work with, because you're so patient and understanding. I mean, you you understand that, yeah, we're just all kind of a crazy hot mess inside. And so if we can build that sense of trust, we can actually do some good work together as long as there's no abuse going on, you know? Yeah, I totally. And I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I'm going to attach okay. conversations to two things you said. Okay. Um, I, like I said, I want to work with people that I, that I like and I want to work with. And so therefore, um, I'm a beneficiary of our relationship as well. So that's a given, you know. Um, the other thing I wanted to sort of speak upon was the fact that we're always challenging each other. Every time you and I talk, we're always challenging each other. And, and, and it's not challenging just from an intellectual point of view saying, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to text Mo today and I'm going to see if I can, you know, you know, challenge her. <laughs> it isn't that. No. It's, it's the fact that, you know, every day we're, we're faced with, um, not a new problem, but the same problem presented in a new way. Mm-hmm. And, and so here's the other thing I was going to, I told you there was two things I was going to attach to. Um, I'm starting to find that being reasonable is being unreasonable. <laughs> How so? The more unreasonable, yeah, I'm finding the more unreasonable I am in the current climate, the more reasonable I actually am. I, I get that. I get that because, but because you're being unreasonable with the unreasonable. <laughs> Are we, yeah, is anybody totally, else going to understand totally. this conversation? I don't know, but there are some things that go against uh, sound, and I and I mean sound like oral principles, you know, mechanical principles, artistic yeah. principles. We can't be reasonable with that. We have to put our foot down at some point. I, I you know, I'm sorry. I, I one last thing. I just remember, you know, the voice forums for for voice teachers, and I remember one teacher saying yeah. we've got to be neutral uh you know we 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 can't yeah, have yeah, an yeah. opinion i'm like the f we can't i definitely have an opinion about what great singing is and actually people pay me for that opinion yeah totally we're getting paid for that so yeah and yeah totally when when people bring to me vocalism that's you know it's just pure it's an utterance and it's it's unintelligible and quite frankly very hard to listen to i can't be reasonable with that i cannot and I will yeah, and, not. And I, I will leave it at that with you because <laughs> that could be a podcast of its own. <laughs> we'll definitely get back and we'll talk about some other uh, problems of the day and, and issues and, and, and of our love of food and our love of art. But I just want to thank you for taking so much, some time out of your busy schedule to talk to me once again. And I <laughs> wishing you a, a happy holiday season because this, this will come out around the holidays and, um, and oh, I, cool. And I, you'll get to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eggnog. <laughs> you can't eat eggnog. I mean, oh, what a bet. <laughs> anyway, happy holidays to you, Greg. Thank you so much for your time, and I will see you. Okay, later. see you. Bye. Bye. Hey, listen, I really hope that you've enjoyed this very first episode of the year, getting some insight from a world-renowned vocal consultant. Um Hopefully you've gotten some takeaway things, but here's what I'd like you to take away. First of all, in this new year, find yourself a mentor, somebody who is skilled in what you're trying to do, who's honest with you, that allows you to be who you are, and that will tell you the truth when you need to hear it, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. The other thing is, surround yourself with other people and information like this podcast that are going to steer you in the right direction that are going to remind you of the things you should or could be doing. That is my call of action to you, is just to surround yourself with the right people and the right mindsets and 
I think that you'll be on your way to achieving the goals that you're looking to achieve this year. Good luck to you and Happy New Year. Musically, Monique.